idea. All right, let me get this sorted out. Did you have a good Christmas? Did you get any gifts? Any gifts? Anybody want to shout out any half-decent gift they got? Anybody get anything worthwhile, worth sharing? Any, anything in particular? Gardening gloves, very nice. Anything over this side? Any decent presents over this? A heated blanket. Wow, there we go. Eh? Good. Good. Beautiful. I got a number of great presents uh, this year, a number of great gifts. Possibly my favorite one, though it is unused at the moment, uh, is this one, uh, which, as you can see, is part eye mask uh, and works well. But it's not just an eye mask, because contained within it as well is like speakers. And you can Bluetooth it, and you can go to sleep listening to whatever it is you like going to sleep. So... There you go. I haven't tried it yet, but uh, I will do. Uh, and the reason why I mentioned Christmas gifts is that actually I'm talking today about gifts. Um, but not gifts you know, like we normally give, but spiritual gifts. And when I think about gifts or presents, I think of a few things. I think about the fact that they're unearned, they're undeserved. That's what we like about Christmas. You know, as it was, we get these gifts. We haven't done anything towards them. Also, often when you think about gifts is people try and buy you things that they would like, you know, things that they want. I mean, often practical gifts sometimes don't go down so well. Sometimes they go down well, but, but then, you know, when you give a gift, you want to give something that somebody will delight in, uh, will enjoy, and, uh, you know, use it or use it not. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about spiritual gifts, the gifts that God gives us. In some ways, they are definitely unearned, undeserved. Uh, so in that sense, they're like lots of gifts that we get, humanly speaking. But you know, in another way, they are very different because they're not really about toys and things that, you know, we just like, trinkets and baubles and, you know, whatever it is that you like doing. They're actually very practical. They're actually more like tools to get a job done, the job of advancing the kingdom, making Jesus known. When Neil prayed for that guy in terms of healing, it's because we want to see God's kingdom come. Amen? We want the guy to meet with Jesus. That's what we want. And actually, that is what so many of the tools are for. They're freely given, but they are to enable us to be able to do some things. I was thinking about a builder. If you're a builder, the tools that you have, you know, the hammer and the saw and the, and the measuring thing and the planey thing. I've never worked on a building site. Uh, but, you know, all those things. Those tools are not just there for show. If the builder turns up and he can't hammer, cut, plane, saw, whatever, stick together, if he got no tools, there's not really much use. And actually... Spiritual gifts are tools, really. We have a world to, to win for Jesus. There is a kingdom that is to be advanced. And I think we know that we can't do that in our own strength. We need power. And that power comes from the Holy Spirit. And it comes often in the form of tools, gifts that God gives us that enable us to advance his kingdom. And actually, 
In 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about their worship time and about the use of spiritual gifts in that context. And basically, it seems like they're focusing on some of the more showier gifts and their corporate worship times have got completely chaotic, completely self-centered, and Paul has to write to them and he's writing to them not to stop them from using spiritual gifts, but he's writing to explain to them, to remind them what these gifts are for and how they should be used. So let's read that from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. It's out on your notes that I gave you. It says this. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given the Spirit, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the, work, are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Let me just pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the God who gives us gifts. And Lord, I just pray this morning as we begin to look at some of these spiritual gifts, Lord, will you teach us? Lord, will you gift us? Lord, will you encourage us? And Lord, maybe most importantly, will you activate us and send us out to use these gifts as we've heard given testimony to this morning? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of the, the Corinthians, as I said, seem to have been using these gifts to basically show off. They're basically boasting. So Paul reminds them, Look, the Holy Spirit is not in the business of doing things that make you look good. But rather, what he does is lead people to Jesus. And also, he reminds them that everyone who truly follows Jesus has the same Holy Spirit living inside of them. So Christians who use spiritual gifts don't have some kind of special access to God. They're not superior to other Christians. And he also underlines to them that these are gifts of grace. These are given by the Holy Spirit. They're not based on your goodness, your maturity, your intelligence. So you've got nothing to boast about. It's like he's saying boasting about spiritual gifts is like boasting about having blue eyes. These, these spiritual gifts, they're not trophies. They're not like badges that you get to wear to show off. No, no. These are tools. They're freely given, but they're tools to be used for a purpose. 
They're to be used to strengthen the church. They're to be used to bring the good news of Jesus into the world. They're tools. They're free. They're gifts. But it's like God has given you a hammer. He's given you a tape measure. He's given you a saw. He's given you some things on your spiritual toolkit. And he doesn't want them just to sit on the spiritual toolkit and you say, well, what a lovely spiritual toolkit I have. Wow, what a lovely hammer. Wow, what a fantastic saw. Never cut a piece of wood in two. That's not God's intention. No, no. I'm giving you these gifts, so I want you to use them. So we're going to look at this toolkit. And actually, in the New Testament, there are four different lists of spiritual gifts. And some of them overlap, and some of them are different. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 is1. Romans 12, 6 to 8. Ephesians 4 to 11. But in this term, this next term, as a church, we are going to focus on the list that I've just read out from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 10. And over the years, this is probably the, the, the list of gifts that people maybe misunderstand or struggle to get their heads around because they does contain some of the more seemingly supernatural gifts. I mean, all gifts from God must be supernatural. But if you know what I mean, some of these are the more seemingly supernatural ones. And so this morning, we're going to go through this gift list. And I'm just going to give you a brief explanation uh, of them, just a, an explanation of what they are, maybe tell one or two stories, just so we can begin to get our heads around them. And then we're going to look at each of the gifts in the coming weeks. Is that okay? And also, just to give you a heads up, because there's no point talking about spiritual gifts uh, in isolation, at the end of when I finish talking, uh, we're just going to have some time, and we're going to see whether God has spoken uh, to any of us here uh, using one of these gifts, and then there'll be opportunity to share it and see what God wants to do. All right? Is anybody up for that? Yes. If God... If God gave you anything this morning, who would share it? Who would come up and share it? If you would, just stick your hand up. Reuben would and six other. Well, I'm going to pray then for Reuben and anyone else. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that as we're sitting here right now, and maybe you did it when we walked in the door. Maybe you spoke to us yesterday. But Lord, if there is a prophetic word or a spiritual gift, that you want one of us to exercise this morning for the blessing, strengthening, encouragement, comfort of anybody else here, then I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would put it on our hearts, you would give us the boldness to share it, and you would do whatever it is that you want to do as a result of that. We ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go through. I've given you, let's look at the toolkit then. First one, the word of wisdom. Now, this is when supernatural insight, i.e. wisdom from God, is given for a particular issue or a person where really they have no idea and you have no idea naturally what they should do. It's this ability in a moment to speak or act with a God-given perception or astuteness that enables us to speak out and direct people towards God and what he wants to do in a given situation. And maybe the best example of this in the Bible is from 1 Kings, when King Solomon is brought a baby by two women 
each of them claiming to be the baby's mum. Now, this is a tricky issue. Agreed? A tricky issue for King Solomon. There's no DNA testing here. And he's got to work out what to do. And so he prayed. And what Solomon ordered was that the baby should be cut in half and half given to each of the women. It's not madly a great solution, is it? When you first read it. But that's what Solomon did. That's what he felt like God said to him to do. And what happened was, the woman who was not the true mother said, yeah, great idea. But the mother, who was the true mother, gave up her rights as a mother and said, no, no, don't do that. Don't cut the baby in two. Give the baby to the other woman. In which case, Solomon realized that's the mum and gave her the baby. Clever, eh? If you haven't read the story, have a read. It's fascinating. It's interesting that God didn't tell Solomon which of the two women was the mother. And Solomon was one of the wisest persons, if not the wisest person alive. So he couldn't clearly work it out from stuff like hair or, or you know, whatever else. But what God gave to Solomon was a word of wisdom that enabled for the true mother to be revealed. And that's what Solomon did. And, and so the right outcome came. I remember once I was on a train heading to see a church, a group of elders, uh, because they had a bit of a pickle. They'd started, uh, they'd started another meeting with about 15 people uh, in the next city to them, and it had grown in about three months to 100 people. And they didn't, oh, great, you know, what a problem to have. But they didn't know what to do. They didn't know, this eldership team, they didn't now work out how are we going to be one church in two places? How does this work financially and in terms of eldership? and in How does this work? And one of them had written down, they tried to gather all the stuff they thought it could work, how it might work out, how the church would run. And they'd written this 25-page document, right, of how this was going to... Well, and I was sat there on the train reading it because they'd asked me to go over and have a read and see what I thought. And I'm sat there on the train reading it. And halfway through reading it, God says to me, they got it completely wrong. He said, they're looking at this all wrong. It's not, it's not one church in two places. I want them to plant another church. And then for the sending church to support with money and people, but the end goal is for them to be a separate church. And then together, those two churches will plant other churches. So I kind of carried on reading the document because I thought I better. I get there. They start having the meeting. They get onto page two, and the whole thing falls apart, right? I mean, they're in a pickle. It's just not going to work out. This person's not sure about that. What about that? How's this going to work? How's that going to work? Blah, blah, blah. And within about half an hour, they're literally scratching their heads trying to get past page two. And I'm just sat there quietly thinking, hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> so one of the guys turns to me and says, hey, Dale, this is a problem we've been having. We've been going round and round on this for, you know, last couple of months. Any ideas? I said, well... All right, I'll tell you what I felt God say to me on the train. You got it all wrong. You're looking at it all wrong. Shouldn't be one church in two places. You're planting a separate church. Literally, in the moment, the tension went out of the room. One guy stood, was sitting there. He just started to cry because he couldn't understand how they were going to move this thing forward. And when he heard, it's not that. It's supposed to be this. You're asking the wrong question. You're trying to get to the wrong end goal. Within one hour, they had asked all the questions again, but with the goal of planting a church, and they had all the answers. 
And I think that is what a word of wisdom was. It's not so much you sitting down and looking at it and trying to work it out, work it through. What about this? Yeah, what about that? I think a word of wisdom comes from God fully formed. It's this. This is the way. I think that's what happened with King Solomon. I don't think he had a clue what to do. God spoke. Those two churches have now planted five other churches together. That's a word of wisdom. Prophecy. A prophecy. A prophecy is not about telling the future, which is how some people wrongly understand it to be. It's actually more about speaking out the now word of God to an individual or to a group of individuals that strengthens, encourages, or comforts them. It may contain something that relates to the future, but it may not. The aim is not to try and tell the future. That's what fortune tellers do. God doesn't have good things to say about fortune tellers and people that read tea leaves and other stuff like that, right? That's not good stuff. It's not about trying to tell people the future. It's actually about trying to get from God, God, what do you want to say to this person or this family or this group of people now and then communicating it to them. Because that now word of God might be to reassure them of his love or their identity. So that is what it, that's what it is. It may have something to do with the future, but it may have nothing to do with the future. I won't say too much more. We'll look at it more in a few weeks' time. A word of knowledge, the next one, third one. And a word of knowledge is pretty similar to a, a word of knowledge, pretty similar to a prophecy. But I would say the distinction being that a word of knowledge, really, it gets much more specific. It's a specific revelation about a condition or a situation. And often it has the idea attached to it that God now wants to move. God, in this moment, wants to do something about it. So, for example, if I'm praying for someone and I remember a scripture that talks about the love of God, and then maybe I see a picture, like the one that was shared earlier about the rock, uh, who I do model myself on, obviously. Uh, if I had that kind of picture, or a picture of me with my children, I might think, say to the person, hey, listen, I think God wants to encourage you that you're his child, and he loves you like we love our own children. That's a prophetic word. But if I'm praying for somebody and suddenly I feel a bit of a twinge in my right wrist, which isn't there before, and in my mind's eye, while I'm standing there saying, God, is this just a twinge or is this from you? I see a, you know, a picture from The Great Escape of Steve McQueen trying to get over that fence you know, on his motorbike. I might say to the person, hey, listen, this might be completely left field, but do you happen to have a bad wrist and was it caused by some kind of accident? And if they say, well, blow me down, call me Martha right? If they did say that, uh, you won't believe it. When I was younger, I was in a car accident and it's hurt my wrist and it's playing up ever since. I might think that's not a prophetic word. This is a word of knowledge. And attached to it now, can I pray for you? Because I think God wants to heal you. So don't get too hung up about, is this a prophetic word? Is it a word of knowledge? It's helpful to know a word of knowledge, very specific and is often uh, that God now wants to do something. Some of you might have words of knowledge for this morning. Some of you might have prophetic words this morning. I don't know. 
God does. God does. Okay, number four, discerning between spirits. So this is where the Holy Spirit gives us an insight into the source, the motivation underlying what someone is saying or what they're doing. In other words, where is this really coming from? Just a bit of an example of this. When Jesus told his disciples he's going to go and suffer and be crucified, Peter says, never, Lord, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You, have no, you don't, do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Interesting. Jesus in this moment discerns that though it's Peter that's speaking, what he's actually speaking out really is coming from Satan. It's really the devil trying to tempt Jesus not to go to the cross. And so he aims, in a sense, his rebuke, not so much at Peter, but actually at Satan. Now, we need to be careful that we don't wander around and kind of masquerade our own judgmental thoughts as discerning between spirits. That can happen. But I do think that if a situation's going on or someone's saying something and we just feel uneasy about it in our spirit, don't just suddenly declare, oh, that's a demonic thing. No, but it does tend to be like an alarm bell to me. And I need to get before God and say, God, is there more going on here than would present itself? Where is this coming from? By what spirit is this person speaking or acting? Number five, tongues and interpretation. So the gift of tongues is a supernatural ability to speak a language that's unknown or unlearned to the speaker. So it could all either be a language that is a human language, right? Like French or Swahili or Arabic. Or it could be an angelic language. Because guess what? Angels don't just speak English. I know they do in most of the films that I've seen, but they don't. I suspect angels could probably speak any language, and they can speak their own language as well. And so the gift of tongues is actually a spiritual gift that is given to us for us. It's the only spiritual gift that the Bible says is given to us that we can edify, we can build ourselves up spiritually. It's not just that we can use speaking in tongues when we don't know how to pray in our own language. It's actually a way that we can pray and we are able to build ourselves up. We are able to put some spiritual air in our spiritual tires, which is strange to me because it's the only spiritual gift that is given to us by which we can build ourselves up, and yet I think it's a very neglected gift. And the gift of interpretation operates when Christians are gathered like this morning, maybe during a worship time, and someone is moved by God to declare praise to him in a tongue. In other words, most of us are English here, and if I was stirred by God to declare his praise and I speak out, it could be an angelic language, it could be Swahili or some other language that I don't know, but I declare my praise to God. And you will sit... What was that about? But got no idea. I might have a sense of what it was about, but you possibly wouldn't. Unless God, by his spirit, gave someone the gift of interpretation, which means that person is able to get a sense of what that praise was to God and is then, in the moment, able to say it out in the language that most people gathered there speak. Does everybody get that? I think it's a fantastic gift. 
That's tongues. We'll have a week on that, which will be good. Faith. The gift of faith operates normally in a moment where you suddenly have this supernatural expectancy or trust, and it causes you to do or to speak out in a way that maybe you normally wouldn't. And again, it's often connected with this authority to see God's plan come about, to see what God wants to happen in a given situation. The gift of faith isn't about trying to work something up. It's not about trying really hard. It's just that in that moment, you just know because you know, you know it's this, it's this. You know it more than you know today is Sunday or that your name is Dale Barlow if your name is Dale Barlow. That's how it works. And it often works with other gifts, sometimes with the gift of healing. This is my best example. We were once out in Oxford doing some evangelism. We used to call it treasure hunting. We'd get together, we'd pray, we'd say, God, give us some clues. Give us a... Give us a person, what they look like, where they're going to be, what's wrong with them, what we should. Give us clues, God, and then we'll go out into Oxted Town Centre or wherever we were and we'll try and find people who match those clues. And we'll go up and say to them, we're Christians, we're doing this thing called treasure hunting. You match the clues. Can we pray for you? That's what we used to do. And I was there one day and I'd you know, written down all my bits and pieces. And I remember right at the end, I felt God very specifically say, yeah, Nero, lady, brown top, pink logo, pink hair, bad leg, but the bad leg is just a symptom of a much more serious disease. Right? That was my life. It came all just like that. So I'd been out for the rest of the morning, and I'd had a rubbish morning. Every person I'd spoken to said, no thanks. I absolutely remember it was coming up to near the end. I thought, right, I'm, I'm fed up now. And I looked down my list. I thought, rubbish, 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 rubbish. And I looked at the bottom one. I thought, right, God, it said Nero. I'll go and stand opposite Nero. That's how much faith I had. I'm going to go and stand (laughs) on the other side of the road looking at Nero. And I was literally, God, unless someone comes past that meets all these criteria. And how many times do you see a woman with pink hair in Oxted? Might happen now. Never used to happen in a few years. I mean, it's very rare. So I'm standing there like that. And blow me down if a woman doesn't walk past me with a slight limp with a brown top and a pink logo and pink hair. And she literally walked, and I think I did that. <laughs> but I said to God, unless she crosses the road and goes into Nero, <laughs> right? I'm just being honest with you. Unless she goes into Nero, God, I'm not going to speak to her. I was fed up. She crossed the road and she walked into Nero's. Oh, oh no. Okay. So I went in after her. I explained who I was you know, in a nice, casual you know, way. Sorry to interrupt you, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you've got, this is what we do. I'm a Christian. Sorry, blah, blah, blah. You fit. These are, the, these are the clues. Here's my bit of paper. You walk past. I was standing there. You fit this, the description, blah, blah, blah. And you've got pink hair. She said to me, I've got pink hair. She said, yeah, that is unusual. She said, I've got pink hair because I did a charity thing because I've got, and then she named the illness. And she said, actually, the reason why I'm limping is my leg is a symptom of the illness that I've got. Now, at this moment, everything changed. Dale finally wakes up, right? Seriously. And I said to her, this is amazing. This is wonderful. Can I pray for you? She looks at me. She says, no, thanks. Now, in that moment, I believe God gave me the gift of faith. Because normally, we're trained with treasure to say, okay, that's fine, I'll pray for you, God loves you, you know, don't make a scene, don't chat, just 
If they don't want prayer, they don't want prayer. That's fine. I agree with that. I, had a, I looked at her, and I had a gift of faith, I think, because I, I looked her in the eye, and I said to her, listen, if you let me pray for you, I believe God will heal you right here, right now. I knew it as sure as I knew anything. I, was at, I, was, I wasn't being flippant. I wasn't speaking out of anger. I just knew, if you will let me, God will. And she looked at me, and she got it, and she said, I don't want your God to heal me. I walked out. <laughs> yeah, one of them. But it was the gift of faith. I absolutely, I'm convinced until my dying day, unless God tells me when I stand there before him that I was wrong, I believe he would have healed her in that moment. The gift of faith, it's, it goes beyond. This is not just, oh, I wonder whether God will. I was absolutely sure in that moment. Gift of faith. Six one, Healing. We've heard about healing this morning. This is where God uses us to supernaturally heal a disease or an illness. And the truth is, Jesus heals many people from lots of conditions. And uh, I think that we should be much more on the front foot. I thank you, Neil, for sharing your testimony. Uh, it's fantastic. We'll spend more time of that during the series. Miraculous powers. So a miracle is a more unusual divine act, right? I mean, you think about it, whenever God speaks or does something, it's a divine act. But a miracle is like a specific, an unusual one. And it often causes people to wonder, to be inspired. It bears witness to something of God's power as he supernaturally intervenes in a way that completely changes the natural order of things. And sometimes there can be a bit of blurred line between a miracle and a healing. I mean, Jesus healed a man whose leg wasn't working and made the leg work again. That's healing. But Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, that's not just a healing. That's a miracle. There's no point falling out over the difference. They're both wonderful, life-changing moments. And obviously, there's other examples when Jesus turned water into wine, when he fed the 5,000 with the loaves and fishes, I think I've told you, I remember the lady in church who a few years ago, she was looking after a neighbor's house. They'd gone away. She bought them some flowers. She put it on their table. They got delayed, I think. They were coming back then that to be delayed. She went around there a few days later. She looked at the flowers. Oh, they're lovely. They're still alive. And then she looked at the table and realized the water had spilled over the top and had made a white mark on their prestigious table. She called up the old polisher. Can you come down? He turned up. He took one look. He rubbed it. He said, no, I can't do anything about it. That's stained now. You'll never get it out. He went away. She cried. And then, and then, this is what she said. Then she laid her hand on the table and she basically said, Jesus, you can turn water into wine. You can fix this table. Please do a miracle. Fix the table. She walked away. She came back the following day. Perfect table. Amazing. Perfect table. Okay, there you go. So those are, I think, six or seven, however many of the tools. Those are the ones we're going to be looking at over this term. Now, let me just kind of bring some application to this, land this a little bit. Just going back to the passage, Paul made it clear that these spiritual gifts are for every believer. And their wrong use of them was not to be stopped by stopping using them, but by teaching on them and getting people to understand them and use them in a right way. And we know that some people exercise a particular gift, 
so that they may develop a ministry in that area and serve the church. Someone may be used so often prophetically by God that we might call them a prophet. Someone might be used in so many healings that we might call them a healer or evangelism, we might call them an evangelist. But all of us, all of us who are filled with the Spirit can hear God and prophesy. Amen? All of us who are filled with the Spirit can lay a hand on someone sick and pray for healing. We can all ask for all of these gifts. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. So a question to you. Which of these gifts do you have? How regularly do you use them? Is there one or two that maybe you have but you haven't used for a long time but you'd like to get back in the habit of it? Is there one or two that you'd like to ask God for? Because I think we should be all up for all of them. I think we should be looking at using the ones that we have and being faithful with what we've been given and at the same time saying to God, if you would like me to receive any of the other gifts, then I'd love to have those as well. While I was preparing this message, I felt there was four that he particularly wanted me to highlight this morning. Number one, praying in tongues. It's the only spiritual gift given to us by which we can build ourselves up spiritually. Therefore, if you have it, use it. If you don't, ask for it. I'll say that again because I know it's very tricky. If you have it, use it. If you don't, ask for it. Second one, words of wisdom. We all face difficult, tricky, scratch-the-head type of issues in our lives, whether that's at home or at work, whether it's ourselves or somebody else that we know. Well, you know what? God knows every situation. It's not just that he'll give solutions to things inside church or to do with church. He's able to give solutions in every situation. There may be a problem at your work and you're the only Christian there. Well, you can still pray about it. Ask God for the solution. And when you bring the solution, you don't have to say, thus says the Lord. You don't have to do that. You can just say, hey, listen, this is what I think. Maybe if somebody asked you, how did you come up with that? You might say, well, I prayed about it. When God used Daniel to speak to King Nebuchadnezzar, nobody else in the room apart from Daniel and his mates even knew God. And yet God gave him wisdom that led a whole nation. I believe we can use words of wisdom, wisdom from God in all areas of our lives. God knows all the answers. Third one, healing. It's so prevalent in the New Testament. And it is such a blessing to the person. This is what I wrote down in my notes. Do you know what? If you offer to pray for someone like Neil did, two things. Number one, they might get healed and that then opens a whole different load of conversation. But secondly, do you know what? Even if they don't get healed, if you do it with love, what they can receive is the fact that someone cares. Someone cared enough about them, right, to offer to pray. And even if they don't get healed and you pray for them and Jesus touches them, guess what? They just got touched by God. I think we often don't offer healing because we're worried about what happens if nothing happens. I'm going to look foolish and they're going to feel bad. I think that is, I know that's how I feel, right? That's how I, but that's just, it's just not where God wants us to come from this. No, no, I want to express my love to you. 
That's why I'm offering to pray for you. I know God can, so let's jump in. So healing. There are so many hurting people in the world, physically hurting, mentally hurting, emotionally hurting, spiritually hurting. Surely we need to be people that try and bring God's healing. Try and bring God's healing. Last one, prophecy. If the heart of prophecy is not trying to fortune tell what's going to happen in the future, but bringing what God wants to say now to this person, to this brother or sister in Christ, to this group when we gather in life groups or whatever. And if what we're to bring really is for their encouragement, strengthening, comforting, then surely this is one gift that we should all be wanting to use. We should all wanting to be on the front foot for. I don't think God is unable or reluctant to give us spiritual gifts. I just wonder how precious they are to us. I just wonder how much are we really on the front foot with desiring them and using them. And I speak to myself as much as anybody else here. Right, but we're not here to condemn one another. We're here to spur one another on, to encourage one another. So I, over the course of this series, I really want you to encourage others and to be encouraged. Go for it. Step out. Try. Have a go. Let's be using these spiritual gifts. I think I'll put a little bit at the end of your notes. Use the ones you have. Ask God for new ones. Don't give up. Share what happens. Give him all the glory. Use the ones you have. Ask God for new ones. Don't give up. Share what happens. Give him all the glory. Beautiful. Just a starter, that was. But now we've got a, a moment, some time. I kind of signaled it at the beginning that we would just have some time uh, for God to speak. So while I've been speaking, or maybe today, has anybody got a prophetic word from God, a word of knowledge, something from God that they feel he's given in this moment to be shared for either strengthening, encouragement, comforting of us as a church or an individual, or because God wants to do something like with a word of knowledge. Well, Lord, what have you got for this church for 23? Um, and I just felt the Lord say multiplication, that the Lord is going to multiply and he's going to use little old me and little old you. That's it. Beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sort of big. Good. Just the Lord, but I Good. Good. <clears throat> you could say it's not a big word, but if God says multiplication, then that's not bad really, is it? We would take that. Anyone else?
Are you coming, Verity? Good. Um, I mean, so we were coming back from a holiday um, a couple of days ago, and I hadn't had much time to sit with the Lord and read the Bible and pray. And I was sitting on the plane, and Edward was asleep in my arms. And I was like, right, okay, this is a great time to pray, because I'm like not doing anything else, and I shouldn't move. So, um, <laughs> um, But then I was surprised at what the Lord gave me or spoke to me about, because it was so simple and the message was so simple and it was just about his love and all I saw was just a vision of something that I just love which is um, looking out and seeing some beautiful nature and it was just a like a path surrounded by amazing red and pink flowers and this path sort of winding along to the distance and God was just saying, this is my love. My love is all-encompassing. My love is continuous. My love is beautiful. My love is wonderful. And as I said just then um, in the worship, um, I felt like he was saying it's both all-encompassing, but also just exactly where you need it. He touches you where you need it, and it's also so specific. And, um, yeah, that was just what I was, what God had uh, reminded me of um, this past week. Wonderful. Great, thank you. Great, thanks. Great. <coughs> Anyone else? <coughs> oh, good, Kevin. I'll get the right mic then. That'd be easier, wouldn't it? Uh, it simply really follows on from what uh, Pippa was sharing in that uh, we had a, a day away as elders uh, this week and uh, we were at Witchcroft just over at Bletchingley. Um, and as we were praying, I was looking out the window and just saw the landscape. Um, and I won't share everything I saw from that, but I just felt that, you know, you see this winter scene with these, t I saw two huge trees and there wasn't a leaf in sight, but the potential is huge, just enormous, that I can almost guarantee that, you know, unless they fall down, and I don't think they're going to, those trees will be full of leaf and blossom and bud uh, in just a few weeks' time. And I just felt that we were, as a church, coming into a new season, a season of development, a season of growth, uh, a season of new life. Uh, that, you know, we, we've had, like many churches, some tough times over the last few years where you know, numbers have diminished and we haven't seen so many salvations and baptisms as perhaps we'd like. Uh, but it just felt like this is a moment when the new season is coming and there's new life appearing. Great, thank you. Brilliant. Good. Oh, look, it's like a flow now, isn't it? Like a flood, look. It was nothing to begin with. It was a tumbleweed across the room. But if you wait for a little while... So God will begin. <laughs> um, I had this right at the beginning because I went down to Nero this morning and done my quiet time with my earphones in and I listened to the Glorify app, which I think is really good. Anyway, um, and just all the way through the morning, I was like, mm, I'm bring it, because it was just very simple, actually. <laughs> and I'm like, because I'm a bit stupid like that, I don't quite clock it. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made 
And in that, and in, in the devotional time part afterwards, it was saying, how do I scupper that? Do I grab that with this is a new day that the Lord has made and go, okay, do I be, am I thinking about the worries from yesterday? That actually stops me living out this day new and fresh and for what he's got for me. Am I worried about tomorrow? And whatever tomorrow's going to bring. So I just really felt for us as a church, because, you know, this is a new year. We live by that, but God doesn't. You know, it's a new day daily. You know, are we worried about the future? Are we looking back into the past? Because COVID, what Kevin said and all that. But just to encourage us to do the daily thing daily, new presence, you know, God's grace, new and fresh daily for us. So just to encourage you, that's what I think I don't do very well sometimes, and to encourage you, you do that well. <laughs> That's it. Beautiful. Good. Lovely. Will it be simple? Yeah, I think so. Um, I feel God is saying, let us not worry about people and what they think. It's more about our hearts, working with God, doing what God wants, and having that heart to have the courage to fulfill this. So that whatever the reaction, that's okay because that's a people thing, whereas a God thing is, is from the heart, if that makes sense. Very good. Very good. You can stay here, though. Oh. Good. Great. Any other? Great, wasn't it? Any more? You come stand here because we don't pray for us in a minute. Yeah. You can't, you can't give a word like courage and then say no, can you? Sorry. <laughs> We're just having a little conversation. That's right, carry on. No, carry on. <laughs> um, I just think God's been um, just put on my heart this morning um, during the worship, actually, that um, there's someone who just feels through a relationship or a breakdown of a relationship or the fact that somebody is now missing from, not from their lives, as in they've lost them, but they're kind of missing and there's something relational um that's really hurting and I think God wants to just take that hurt away um but you need to give it to him and stop trying to do it yourself great excellent great thank you any 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 all right okay nice up here isn't it all right just smile they're lovely people look I'm I think this is more a word of encouragement for all of us. Um, I don't know whether any of you experience it, but there's times in church where you just know that God's stirring something up and there's an excitement in you and you've got to deliver something. Well, ever since Dale started talking, I've, I've had this memory of something that happened. And we all know that Dale is a very anointed man and we've heard some amazing testimonies from him as to his experiences. Carolyn and I were on the, uh, went to a prayer meeting years ago at HTB, and we came out of it on the prayer ministry team. Nothing that we expected to do. We were almost commandeered into it. And you, when you're asked to go out and pray for people as part of the team, it's a bit churlish to sort of say, well, no, I don't want to. Um, my prayer life changed that day, and... We were taught everything about, everything we've heard this morning about using the gifts, we were taught all of that. And we're preparing a few weeks later for a, for a, a service, and I'm sitting there on the floor in the prayer room, leaning against the wall, thinking, 
I don't get anything. What? I've never had anything for anybody else. Um, and all of a sudden, there was a stabbing pain in the middle of my right shoulder blade. Um, and I thought, well, where's that come from? A few minutes later, I got this picture of a man's right foot with a severely bruised big toe. We're doing prayer ministry about sort of 8 o'clock in the evening, 8.30. And the guy who was organising the team came running over. He said, whispered in my ear while Carolyn was praying for, for this person. He said, you've got to pray for James. James is the, has answered your, the items that you brought up. So I come over and introduce myself. We start praying for him. What can we pray for, James? Well, I've got this stabbing pain in the middle of my right shoulder, he says. So we said, right, okay, well, we'll, we'll pray for healing. And he said, no, but there's something else. And he took his shoe off. And there's his right foot with a massive, great, swollen, big toe that's black and blue. Now, the word of encouragement is, is I went into this prayer ministry team knowing absolutely nothing. I'd had the training. It was all in here. But I wasn't hearing anything from God. Once I stepped out and started participating, God started giving us things. And he gave Carolyn words of scripture. He gave me pictures and, and words of knowledge. Um, and I would, I would recommend to anybody, if, if you have a husband or a wife, pray together for people. It is brilliant. It really is good when you do it as a team. I came from having nothing in a few weeks to suddenly being a valuable member of this team and God honoured the risk I took. So I, I would recommend to all of you, just give it a try. Pursue what Dale was saying because it works. It really does. Anyway, that's it. Amen. Great. Fantastic. Great, great, great. Thank you, Martin. We, I think we have to move on. Yeah. Great, thank you. Um, so we've had some prophetic words, haven't we, just now? Often couched in English. Then simple, they're this, they're that. But is this, if it's God speaking, it's God speaking. It don't need to be complicated or whatever. It's God speaking. God's talking about his love. God's talking about multiplication. God's talking about a new season coming. Then it's God speaking. That's what we want to hear, what God is saying. If you responded to what Helen said, if that's you, then go find her afterwards and ask her to pray for you because God may have some more to speak to you. We're going to end now, but before we end, I'm just going to ask Emma to pray for us. Because I think what she shared was, was right. It was from God. He wants us to, 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 to go for some of these things and to be faithful. So why don't we stand up, and then, Emma, you're going to pray for us as a church, and then we're going to have tea and coffee. Okay. I'm going to do it. You are going to do it. Bless you. Thank you. Dear Lord, thank you that you are here today with us. We love that you are here every week when we turn up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to speak to us, that you're going to use us, that we have hearts that are here for you. We're going to listen. We're going to be obedient. We're going to step out in faith, Lord. And we thank you that we have you to rely on because you love us, Lord. Amen. 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 Well done, Emma. Well done. Great. I don't know where Quincy is. He's, are we finished? Are you, anything more?